This is a Rooster Teeth production. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Between the Tales, a special episode of Tales from the Stinky Dragon, where we're finished with an arc. So we kind of do a little recap of the story so far and uh, talk with our players, see how they're feeling, maybe answer some questions from the community and uh, see how it goes. It's going to keep it pretty loose, huh? You're not the Stinky Dragon bartender. I wanted to hear, I have a crush on all the boys. Harold. So good. <laughs> Some Teen Girl Squad energy going on there. Sounds like Pinocchio from Shrek. All right. So we're going <laughs> to the rest of the episode is Teen Girl Squad. <laughs> or is it, are you sure it's not the Pinocchio from the Tom Hanks movie or the Pinocchio from the uh, Shrek from the Tom, Tom Hanks, Hanks from movie? A, Pinocchio from Tom Hanks They're movie. coming out with another, they're coming out with two Pinocchio movies. Are you sure it's not the Pinocchio from the movie that's not out yet, John? Huh? It's the PCU. <laughs> it's the Pinocchio Cinematic Universe. I know of one. I didn't know there was two. What's uh, Benicio? No. Benicio. <laughs> Benicio. Benicio Del Toro. The Benicio Del Toro one I knew about. Uh, wait, is that who it is? I don't know. Yeah, wait, Benicio That's Del- right. That's right. That's my favorite pasta I know dish. that's one of them, but I know Tom Hanks is in that. Benicio. No, the other one's, the other one's Tom Hanks. That's- no, Benicio Del Toro's an actor. <laughs> I like how we did oh, mic checks no, right, right before this, are, and everyone are, is quite loud. Yeah, yeah. everyone's like super low energy when they do their mic check, and then they get here screaming in my ears. I'm passionate about little wood boys. Stand down from your microphone. <laughs> Stand down. Stand down. <laughs> the story so far. <laughs> Benicio so- del Toro. You'll remember our Geppetto. intrepid, <laughs> our intrepid adventures started out as interns for the hero group known as the Infinites, Kyborg the Arcane Archer. Bart the Bard, Mud the Druid, and Gum Gum the Wiz- I'm Barbarian all <laughs> arrived at Boulderay. Wait, you called Gum Gum his actual class. You didn't call Kyborg his actual class. That is a bit insulting. Archer. He's a fighter. Yeah. He's, he's a fighter. He's a fighter, but he's a subclass. He's, yeah, subclass, subclass. Arcane Archer. Yeah. I know. Stop interrupting. Hey, yeah. you wanna, do you want to switch seats, John? Stop so, back it's seat. It's like Del Toro is directing a film about Pinocchio. It's like if you said I was an Austinite and not a Texan. It's still accurate. Right. It's just very more specific. So they arrived at Boulderay where... I've heard just call you a Dork. Let him get through the freaking recap. I will strangle you all. And good night, everybody. <laughs> so, and so the party arrived at Boulderay, where after meeting and fighting immediate rival Brink Tussler, who's a wise cracking warlock, they found themselves being offered a job as the Infinite Interns. The Infinites are a group of mighty adventurers known far and wide for their feats of heroism, with one slight catch. Unknown to the public, they have gone missing. They've been kidnapped by the mysterious Paralyte. After rescuing the Infinite's brilliant gadgeteer, Dr. M, from one of his own inventions, they're put to the test and guided by Sordo, the Living Sphere, training their abilities in order to help them find the four Infinites, Aleve the Amender, Sleek the Symphonious, Spectral the Surreptitious, and Grizzly the Groundbreaker. On their first away mission, the interns are sent to a small desert town of Pious Pass, to pick up a package for Dr. M. But upon arriving, the interns find themselves tasked with helping rescue the town cleric Mother Abby from jail after being blamed for a mysterious curse that's spreading through the town and slowly killing its residents. Question, 
Yes. What was the package we were supposed to pick up for the professor? Remember, it was a package that helped uh, power the um, immersed. Was it the recapitulator? Dreamery. No, it was the dreamery. That's been, right. Yeah. yeah. It was a package to help power the dreamery. That way you could get more information about where the rest of the infinites were. Okay. Um, it was a plot device. Yes. A MacGuffin. A MacGuffin. A MacGuffin. If you will. A MacGuffin. I would never. A MacGuffin? No, no, Barbara. Not a MacGuffin. You had to rescue Mother Abby and uh, you had a barber shop quartet haircut His for mud. His name is Mud. Your rock collected stud. His name is Mud. His name is Mud. Your fearless fear bold. A pawn shop break in for who was that? It was gum, 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 and, 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 and mud. Uh, a zombie jailbreak. The interns chased down the sheriff to reveal Mother Abby's true identity, which was Aleve the Amender, a brainwashed infinite turned evil who was poisoning the town. Just as the interns were about to stop Aleve, Paralyte arrives and takes credit for saving the town, chased out and disgraced the interns head back to Boulderay with one infinite in tow, but not before Mud is given a prophecy from a local about not being able to run away from his past. Joke's on you. I did it for a lot longer. Still running. <laughs> Were we supposed to run into Mud's arc sooner? Or was that like a, for a message to the whole group? That sounds like alternate reality, huh? Maybe once we get into the uh, multiverse, we can uh, we can dig into that. Alternate futures. Oh. Days of future past, even. Dr. Ahem splits up the interns to help heal Aleve of her ailments, finding a mix of medicine in the Elder Pine Forest and her inbreather at the local temple of Daya, who's the deity of the realm. After successfully stabilizing her, the interns head to their next mission, which was finding Sleek the Symphonious in the industrious city of Erbloom. Deja Erbloom. Yeah. Arriving at the city in utter chaos, they come face to face with their rival, Brink Tussler, dying with a message from the future. Find Brink in the past and work together to stop Sleek from freezing the city in time. They're sent back in time and begin working with past Brink in a city besieged by time, including stopping a sword-swinging wind elemental, escaping a tyrannical cannibal and T-Rex, and dealing with a sexy, sexy aurochs. That's right. <laughs> if you're going to listen to any part of the story, go back to that episode. We should flag that one for an animation. We're working uh, We're working on some animation animatics and even some puppetry stuff to showcase some moments from the show, and I think that needs to be turned into something. That would be good. You all totally derailed the story there <laughs> with your Aurochs uh, f- fixation. Can you blame us? Eventually, you all were successful in turning back time and taking on Sleek the Infinite. But Paralyte revealed herself once more to, quote, save the day, steal Sleek's magical loot and mortally wound one of the Brink Tusslers while capturing the other one and Sordo. The interns and Sleek escaped at the last moment into a magical portal leading to who knows where. That led us to three weeks after the incident in Urbloom. The interns and Sleek have been surviving in a frozen tundra. They come upon a wondrous cave belonging to a seemingly long gone humanoid polar bears known as the Ishbjorn. You all saved an archaeologist named Archie from becoming a frozen dwarven popsicle. Ooh. Picked up a mysterious amulet, or um, as it is known, amulet. Please, amulet amongst the party. Um, amulet du fromage. Uh, <laughs> you discovered <laughs> you were in the land of Kaltberg, and you followed Archie to one of its villages, Broomafume. The village of Broomafume, like others in the land, seems to be populated by a humanoid walrus race called the Valrossians, that settled into this tundra some time ago but after a rescue mission puts them at odds with some ghostly Ishbjorn and possessed Valrossians, the interns find themselves in the ethereal plane and coincidentally encounter a third infinite, Spectral the Surreptitious. Bitter and aggrieved from having his Ishbjorn soulmate taken from him, Yumi, 
Spectral, aka Leonard Lank, takes on the plight of the ghostly remnants of the Ishbjorn to wage a vengeful war on the invaders of the land, the Valrossian King, V. King Bjorn, and his people. The interns and in Sleek are able to convince Spectral to give them a little time, exactly one night, to talk to the V. King and avoid a war. The interns sneak into the capital of New Valros during a massive festival and are able to meet with the ruler of the Valrossians, V. King Nive Gjorn, a shrimpy boy in a position of power, misguided by his evil uncle, V. Head Ward Gjorn. With the help of local deity goddess Andi, the interns are able to end a century of war and restore peace to the land. V. King Nive offers ship's passage and it looks like the interns, Sleek and Spectral, finally find themselves heading back to Boulderay, but this time with a mission to infiltrate Paralite's lair within the Elder Pines and rescue an imprisoned Brink and Sordo. I forgot how much I like hearing you say those names, like Viking Knife, Gjorn. Gjorn, <laughs> y'all. How would you say it, Micah? No, 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 it, it's right. I just like hearing him say it. <laughs> it. It's fun. Micah really uses the extended keyboard when he types. And it <laughs> All makes, the accents. And yeah, there's so many the accents. And whatnot. Do you yeah, find yourself just control C, control V, those names, or do you actually like... I learned them. The hot keys? How do you type that Awful. O with a slash through it? <sighs> it's been a while. On Mac, I think you can hold down the O and then it'll pop up with the sub menu. Yeah, sometimes it'll do that, yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Chris is trying it right now. I, know <laughs> I, know I just heard it go. I know that umlaut. Umlaut is option U. Mm. I forget what the, the other one is. Anyway. So many options. <laughs> yeah. Our story then picked up at the docks of New Valros, where Bart is reunited with his former ship, the Jebediah, along with Captain Marge. Marge. And her musically gifted crew. The intern set sail homebound for Boulderay, only to find it overrun by Paralite's Everguards. Guards. After freeing Dr. Ahem and taking back the town, the interns then enter the memories of Sleek and Spectral using the Dreamery experiment and become the Infinites and Fred. <laughs> as the Internites, they hunt for clues as to the whereabouts of Paralite and their missing friends. After experiencing a curious cave-in, failed diplomacy with a slothful, Sheerlakian creatures, the interns return to reality with a mission to infiltrate the Elder Pine Forest. With Sleek and Spectral in tow, the interns sneak into Elderling Village only to discover it's another trap set by Paralite, or in this case, Spectralite. This led to an infinite fight with an explosive ending resulting in the freedom of friends, but the loss of two of the infinites. Next, the interns set sail for the port of Pescar, a land cursed by an aberrant rainfall and an ominous ziggurat called the Escalon. They race their way to the top. By the way, you all really pulled a number on that episode where you uh, totally avoided ship-based combat by mud becoming a dinosaur and yeah. swimming under the enemy ship. That's one of my favorite moments. They race their way to the top of this transmutative tower to find a disfigured dual-headed Grizzlyve. After a successful brawly bout with priests and Grizzlyve, the interns encountered a rare attack of opportunity on Paralyte herself. The party managed to make a marring mark on their female foe and in the process catch a glimpse of her mysterious whereabouts. The interns and Dr. Ahem finally pieced together the puzzle of Paralyte, prattle in the Infinites, and uncovered Paralyte's lair under a frozen sheer lake. There they discovered Paralyte's plan to police the world, assuage the death of Mayor Prattle, encountered an old acquaintance, Archie, battled a battalion of Everguards, fought a paralyzing Paralyte, and finally lowered some force shields around the Diagem core. It turns out, however, Archie was never actually Archie, but actually a chaotic crimson cloud creature called Entropa inhabiting the body of Sordo. Now, possessing one of the diagems, Entropa escapes his corporeal prison to seek out the rest of these mystical diagems. But who is Entropa? What are these diagems? Those questions are pursued in the next arc, 
The interns arrive back in Boulder a mid-election, a mayoral race with Brink Tussler as the frontrunner, but Brink believes a mysterious stalker is following him, perhaps sent by his political rival to assassinate him. The party splits up to investigate the whereabouts of the stalker. However, at the library, Kyborg is sent a surprise from his old rival, Quadrin, a self-destructing squadron. Fortunately, he's saved by their friend, Meld Manor from Erbloom, and it turns out there's two of her because of time travel. Meld has been traveling through time in search of her missing mother, Sedate Tempor, but instead she stumbled upon a bleak future ruled by an axis of evil known as the Tetragogues. She searched for the interns but found Kydrin, a perverse version of Kyborg that has been blown up and reconstructed to serve Quadrin, one of the Tetragogues. This is all the first time we're hearing about Sedate. All of I'm looking around the table and everyone's like, I'm trying to remember everything you're saying right now. I do not remember. No, 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 no. The Tetragogues and in, in, in the stakes for and if we squadron. lost against Quadrin and I become Kydrin. That, that's all. That no, there was that episode where Meld comes back. Remember, saves you from the explosion yeah, and yeah, talks and about everything. And she's she she's searching for her mother uh, the she, whole time. We, we never knew her name was Sedate. You learned that back in Herbloom. Yeah. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. When can, you first met her. Can you go back and edit in like those little like what are those little finger like? It's just like a really cool exotic name. Castanets. Castanets. Thank you. See. How did I know what he was talking about? I have no idea. I don't know because we have communication. We have we have good language together. Well, Meld went back in time to save Kyborg from this fate and is now searching for clues on how to avoid the rest of this future. Next, the interns visited the temple to learn about the deity Daya and the Diagems. Afterwards, they discovered Brink Tussler is the new mayor of Boulderay and as his first act, he promoted the interns to Infinites. Congratulations. Don't trust him. Brink. <laughs> the next day, Dr. Ham and Meld conducted an experiment with the party to explore Kyborg's past and find out what Quadrant is up to and where he is hiding. As the Infant Knights, the party is introduced to Kydelius' family and his hometown of Everwinter, but it is soon invaded by a squadron of squadrones and Quadrin himself. Kydelius relives the harrowing memory of his family's passing the genesis of his enmity with Quadrin. Nonetheless, clues are uncovered that lead the party back to present-day Everwinter, where they find a heart-pounding monolith that rocks them to their very core. The monolith turns out to house a red diagem called the Source, which fits perfectly in Kyborg's metallic arm. Thanks to Kyborg's memories, the party follows a clue of Quadrant's whereabouts to Winder Canyon and Pius Pass, but all they find is a ghost town, missing pies, and the town is populated by Sheriff Gov, Deputy Pat, and a host of serpentine flying tabulians. Eventually, they come to an arrangement with the brood of snake-like creatures with a draconic past. The party heads down Winder Canyon in search of the flats of Tabul, and after a perilous pool dive, they finally enter the Labyrinthian Lair. There, they find the missing pie prisoners being sacrificed of their limbs in service of the Tabulian's leader, Umra, or as the party knows him, Quadrin. The party manages to persuade the Tabulians to peaceful terms while contending with Quadrin and his squadron of squadrons. In a turn of events, the Infinites defeat Quadrin and discover that he himself is a Tabulian. Meanwhile, Smarsh, the giant purple worm, arrives to save the day, Marsh. sort of, and guides the party out of the flats of Tabul back home. Which leads us to the Throne Gauntlet Tavern where Mud finally comes face to face with his brother Clay, bearing dire news. Mud's father is dying. Has Mud's mysterious past finally caught up to our favorite fearless furball bud? Find out in the next arc of Tales from the Stinky Dragon. I think the Austin <laughs> summer heat 
is frying my brain because mm. I do not think I have any recollection of the last two months of our episodes. It's all about hair bleach. Maybe. <laughs> do you take notes? Uh, no. You should do that. It helps you remember, I, even I, if you don't look at them again. Genuinely, like, I, I don't know how I would take notes while also paying attention to the... I, I well, just, apparently I, paying attention isn't working. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> paying attention isn't... You're, you're right. It, paying attention doesn't help me remember, but it helps me like be in the moment for the actual show <laughs> to actually be in the, the, you know, do the things that I do in the show, but fire man, and forget that's I, the mud way. I just take like a bullet point notes. It doesn't have to yeah, be like yeah, full yeah. sentences, but just like, little I, I need a little, uh, that little like keyboard you have for your iPad. Cause it's so much harder someone to type. Who's just filled with X-Men lore. It's full. My brain's crap. full. Yeah. I got X-Men and Pokemon. No room for anything else. Yeah. You know, what's a great, uh, way to combat that is just listen to the episodes. Like listen. I do. I do. I, I, I stopped listening. Well, I have a, hard time listening to myself any of my projects uh. i i it's so it's always been something that like like for instance i've like watched almost no on the spots ever oh. um, <laughs> i don't blame you for that one and uh <laughs> you can let some of those jokes lie of bashing my show uh anyways uh john's feisty today no but like i i the show it the uh city dragon's really good when i do listen to it but i i, I I can't listen to myself very well. That's weird because I listen to it only to hear my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you free up a little bit of space in your brain, John, because it's time for your characters to level up to level nine. Yay! So what uh, what kind of stuff do we get at level nine? So I'll go around the table here. Okay. Uh, of course, you roll your hit die, so you get more hit points. Uh, your proficiency bonuses actually go up to plus four from a plus three. Kyborg, you are now indomitable. Beginning at this level, you can re-roll a saving throw you fail. And if you do so, you must use the new roll, and you can't use this feature again until you finish a long rest. I rolled a d10, and it was a 10. Did you keep rolling over and over, no, and no, then no, you showed me the 10? It was literally the first one it did. <laughs> I'm showing you now. Uh, Mud, you gain access to 5th level spells. Getting real powerful there. Uh, and you get an extra level 4 spell slot. Bart, as well, 5th level spells. You, oh, you can swap God. a spell if you want. Yeah. And your Song of Rest increases from a d6 to a d8. Question about the spell slots. When you say, like, I could swap one spell, is that just one total, or is it one from each level? Let me read specifically okay. about I'm, you. I'm seeing Ben hold up a, a number one. 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 And how do we, how do we see again what our uh, what to roll for increasing our HP? It's your hit die, which in your case is I believe it's a D eight, isn't it? Yes. I rolled a nine out of twelve. It says ninety eight, but that's total health. Yeah, that's true. I was going to be like sweet gum gum. Your rage damage becomes a plus three. I believe it's currently a plus two, Ooh. and you get brutal critical. Uh, you roll an additional weapon damage die when you crit with a melee attack. That's cool. So. Normally, the way we do it is we have one die that's max damage, and then the other one you roll. Now you will roll two and then have another one as max damage as well. Fancy, fancy. So it's just Indomitable is the only thing that I got then. You got, uh, yeah, Indomitable. Which is just like another, like... Uh, the only thing I got. It was only really cool. No, 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 no. I like it. I just, I just, I'm laughing because it's like I got lucky. I got Inspiration dies out the butt because I'm, you know, constantly stacking those up. You know, I, I got one other, like, re-roll thing. So I'm just, I'm just, my rolls will never end. I'm always going to get 20s. We're going to homebrew a feat where at level 20, Kyborg can never fail checks involving backflips. That's right. Never fail. Never fail backflips. I'm always so excited to level up. And I, oh, every time we do a level up episode, 
I'm always like, okay, next time we do this and I know it's coming, I'm going to research what to do before we actually get there. <laughs> and then the day comes and I go, dang it. <laughs> Didn't. It's not, yeah, not like we sprung this on on you. I know, we knew it was coming. In, in two levels, on the 11th level, I get an extra attack. Oh man, if you guys think my turns are forever now, just wait. I think I have the shortest turns. Typically. Uh, uh, I mean, you and I fight for that. Mm. There was a turn last episode. I do have memory of this where I summoned those toads. They uh, immediately failed. They immediately failed. I did nothing. I just made toads but appear. But sometimes you make like eight animals appear and they all do different things. That's, that's, that's the same. We, we yeah. fight sometimes for I'm usually like, like cloud of daggers. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I got to go with Barbara on this one. Because like, yeah, you, you always <laughs> also have to do several roles for several things. Well, our roles as part of the party are different than your guys' roles. Like, for instance, why is I reminded this is oh because we posted a clip of the conversation you had with the dust devil that succeeded yeah. because your job is to talk to people and be able to roll yeah mm -hmm. you know charisma and that and, and intelligence checks you know even though my intelligence is is plus zero actually well, you're both are now plus zero the highest the, of the yeah, group yeah. somehow yeah. We're, we're we're equals now I'm plus oh, zero in well I haven't leveled up my things yet so maybe I'm gonna I'm saying, yeah last time uh, your job is charisma yeah ever since Gus started yeah. saying who are what was in the queue, like Kyborg, you're up next. Then I just have my whole battle strategy mapped out. That way, like I can go as fast as I can, even though it takes for forever. Gotta go fast. I mean, you can't. I don't. I don't. I don't fumble and like. Well, maybe I'll do. No, maybe. You proceed with authority, but you Try also to. have the luxury of knowing you can re-roll things <laughs> at the lucky feet. Yeah. So it's like even if it goes wrong, you can uh, you can alter the course of history just a little bit. That's right. Should I fire the arrow? Should I not fire the arrow? I know <laughs> what to do. What to do? <laughs> Should I get in melee range or use the bow? Bow. Could I go back and switch things out that I've changed, or is, is am I locked into that trap? What do you mean? Like if I wanted to like change out the lucky feet for something else? No, normally your your feet are locked in. Damn it! I was that was a trap. I wanted Gus to be like, yeah, yeah, you could try switching out lucky feet. No, and then I'd be like, just kidding, it's staying for forever. <laughs> it's always so like I'm actually. I keep going back and forth whenever I have to like choose a new spell. Where I'm like, do I want to choose something like? There's this one in, in level five called Mass Cure Wounds. Or I could send out a, essentially like a wave of Ooh. healing to people and it does 3d8 plus your spellcasting ability Yay. modifier to everybody. And I'm like, that's a pretty nice thing. Or do I want like a cool... <laughs> Go cool, Barbara. Go cool. <laughs> like a cool, like actual attack kind of spell. You know what's cool though? Friendship. Friendship is cool. And I feel like I do buff as well. Like yeah. you guys do damage typically. Yeah. And well, I'm yeah. like, your uh, bardic inspiration is pretty tippy top. Well, yeah. and you're utilitarian in that, like you have like, oh, I can go invisible and do that, you know, like yeah. that kind of stuff. Sneak around. I'm looking at your your spells right now, Barbara. There's some good ones. Yeah. Level five spells are bonkers. I know. That's why I'm like, oh. I've only got one slot I and I'm I like, which one do I do? Because there's some insane stuff here. Have you opened a new, what was it called? There's like a, not S class, like cla there's like a class rank system for animals that you can and cannot unlock. You know what I mean? It was, what, wait, what? The challenge rating? Yeah, challenge rating. Oh, no. I, I'm, I've i actually, I think I'm max level with that, like with the, I can turn into almost anything I see at this point. Cool. As far as the D&D &D list of beasts, because mm. it's only beasts I can turn into. That's why whenever you've like suggested some stuff, I'm like, I can't turn to that. Mm. And I've asked mm. Gus sometimes, like, is it a beast or a monster? Yeah. If it's a monster, I can't turn into it. Uh, no, is at this point, if I see a beast and add it to my list, I can now turn into it. <laughs> there's a there's a move called transmute rock and one of the subparts of it is transmute rock to mud hey, ah. friend 
When would that come in handy? I guess for destroying cover that enemies are behind? Or, or yeah. like the ground under them. Yeah, yeah. Or um, there's a cave, you know, like getting through they, a, I can make a them wall. Like, they can sink in to the mud. Ooh, I also have a spell that allows me to change the appearance of any number of creatures that I could see within range. Fashion, so then you could show. you could have an enemy <laughs> like, turn into one like kyborg, and then the enemies will be like yeah. shooting. That's him. cool. It has to make a, a charisma saving throw if it's unwilling. But if like if we had to sneak somewhere, I could change all yeah. of us. Well, I mean, if Gus That's is playing cool. the the character, then you can count on them not being charismatic. <laughs> I don't want to give away all these these. I lo- I like surprising in the episode certain spells, so I'm not going to list out all of them that are pretty great. But I have to tell Blaine this one because I think you think it'd be pretty cool. Go ahead. I can have an ability called Tree Stride. And just the first sentence of this spell has got my interest. You gain the ability to enter a tree and move from inside it <laughs> to inside another tree of the same kind within 500 feet. So it's just portal dooring through trees. You're just nightcrawler <laughs> going into trees. What's the use of that? I guess, is it just a defensive thing? It's it's travel, but you instantly know the location of all of the trees of the same kind within 500 feet. You can either pass into one of those trees or step out of the tree you're in. I don't know, man. You're already pretty mobile with turning into flying animals and stuff. I don't know if you need another like travel spell. I just think it's fun to just use. It's a, cool. It is really cool. A tree to go what? five hundred feet. Put in the ocean. I can travel more farther than you now. It'd be like in the long as there's a tree around. Yeah. <laughs> but gum, you couldn't you do that in tandem with gum gum? Could you grow trees or is it only flowers? Only flowers. flowers. He's <laughs> trying to he's trying to push that. With yeah. Like, he's trying to googling the biggest flower in the world. Is there a tree that's also like a hybrid of a flower? You know. We could work around that. We can find some loopholes. Are you reading Chris's Google search history? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is trees flowers? <laughs> yeah. Man, Fifth level's pretty great. I don't know what to pick. Yeah, this is like when spells start to get really, really get powerful. I guess question for the team. Would you guys rather have me have like mass cure wounds or be able to disguise you guys? I would like you to have a spell that you think is fun to cast. Yeah, I think you should do something that you think will be I fun agree. and and useful in a weird way or, you know. Yeah. The only thing I know is that our enemies are going to be scaling with us, so we're going to be getting more hit. But that we also have higher hit points, so it's in Barbara, it's whatever you want to yeah, do, whatever. I mean, there. there's there's other like cool area of attack or area of effect. What rather. I want for you is I think that you really enjoy the encounters and interactions where you're rolling for charisma and you're like having to talk and stuff. But I feel like whenever we get to battle, you don't enjoy that component as much. So I want for you to when we get to battle, you're like, oh heck yeah, like I'm I'm having fun with. This. I think Ben has uh something he wants to chime in. I was just say, would you like some suggestions, just kind of based on how Bart yeah. is as a person? I would love that. I would love that. <laughs> Uh, just a few that are like level five spells for bards. You have dominate person, mm-hmm. where basically you can control someone with telepathy for up to a minute. Which kind of goes with command, which Bart uses. Exactly. You have uh, Gios, I think is how that's pronounced. Gaius? Gaius, it, I Sure. Think. Uh, hey. You can like <laughs> magic command a creature that you can see within range and like force it into like service to you for up to 30 days. You have mask your wounds, which just lets you like heal a bunch of people at once. Mm-hmm. You have mislead, which feels very Bart, where you become invisible and at the same time you create like an illusion of yourself in front of where you're standing uh, and you can control it and have it speak for you and basically like act exactly like you. That's pretty fun. <laughs> you got modify memory. You can raise the dead. You got a lot of options I think Bart can have fun with. You just necromancy? Yeah. Just, well, okay. That's the, pro- I just have, I can only have one. If you can get, <laughs> the great thing gas. about raise dead is if the entire party kills Kyborg, you could reanimate <gasps> him and uh, have him like as a puppet. <laughs> Yo. Would I control myself or would, would uh, you actually yeah, control yourself? Zomborg. Would yeah. be pretty <laughs> rad. Because then it'd be like an evil dead, like evil ash. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think. We- weekend at Kyborg's. If you get Gaius, then you can control Gumbo and make him love you more than he loves I will say also, we need to start being careful with some of these spells because um, now that they're getting more powerful, 
they begin having material components to act as a limiting factor for them. So for example, raised dead requires a diamond worth at least 500 gold, which is consumed every time you cast it. Yeah, so uh, that's why I probably wouldn't pick something like that. Yeah. You're raised from the dead and you're raised from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm broke. <laughs> Help me. I already have a material component thing with the hand cannon thing. And I, that is already a pain in the butt, but it's a good counter to make sure that you're not like... Yeah, you're not just using it all the time. Hankin, hankin, hankin. Yeah, it's tough because a lot of the spells that I can cast that do damage are like area of effect. And typically our players like to grapple people and like... Well, there's one of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gum gum. Oh, no, I keep my distance. And so like I never want it to hurt our own team. But I'm also pretty beefy as far as taking damage, especially if it's physical damage. You're pretty mobile too, so you could get out of the way. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm just going to take the cure wounds one. I feel like that'll be helpful. I ain't complaining. It's handy. Very. And then I will also trade out a spell. Dun, dun, dun. Gum gum, did you get anything cool? I mean, I got my extra damage and, and hit die whenever I crit. And more health. I'm an indomitable snowman. <laughs> Are you uh, still looking through your spells there, Mud? I'm, yeah, it's, I, uh, I'm just preparing. There's, there's just too many spells to read through that are all so cool. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm adding some stuff in. And uh, I like to keep those as a little surprise for the episodes when, when I pull them out. surprise. It's also fun because as a fear bog, I can swap out mine. I'm not a fear bog. I, I drew it. I can swap mm. out mine, uh, Every long rest. So when it says I can reroll a saving throw that I fail, is that like if it's like a five or does it have to be a, a critical fail? No, anyone you fail. Sweet. So just if once you're told that you fail the saving throw, you can then use it. You don't have to. So the way the wording is, you don't roll and then make the decision before you know the outcome. You make the roll. I tell you you fail and then you can say, I want to redo it. Sick. Anyway, uh, going back to what John just said, speaking of surprises, you all also level up again to oh, level 10. What? I love when we do this. Ah, our heralding hero returns from their stout-hearted hunt. Please take a seat, my friend. I see you've been braving many monstrous mountains and various vexing villages in search of the missing listeners. I trust your journey has been fruitful because every week more and more folks are finding their way to the stinky dragon, giving ears to our intriguing tales. So thank you and carry on with this noble quest. May your eyes be peeled, ears be perked, and friendship bracelets always be at the ready. Folks, if you haven't already, you really should give us a follow at Stinky Dragon Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Join us on the Stinky Dragon subreddit where we recently crossed the threshold of 1,000 members and growing. It's amazing each week to see the plethora of podcast theories, creative D&D ideas, merrymaking memes, fabulous fan art, and more. Plus, if you tag us on social media using hashtag Stinky Dragon Pod or post on the subreddit, then an NPC could be named after you, immortalized in the world of Faza forever. No take backsies. We do want to give a special thank you to some of our friends who provide VO for characters in the previous episode. Mayor Brink Tussler is voiced by Eric Bedour. Clay Bramblecrack is voiced by Alfredo Diaz. Sheriff Gov Earns is voiced by Caden Jensen. Deputy Pat Earns is voiced by Ash Schmidt. And Tropa is Armando Torres. Our mystery post-credits voice is Jeremy Dooley. And Dr. M is uh, our very own Micah Reisinger, who's the writer, editor, and composer for this show. Do you ever find yourself awake in the middle of the night reading real-life stories that make your skin crawl? The creepy history behind Victorian nursery rhymes or tales of sleep paralysis demons? Perhaps you've seen the haunting images of corpses on Mount Everest, read the last meal request of death row prisoners, or experimented with seances and spirit boards? If you've ever wondered, hey, what the heck exactly is necrocannibalism, then 30 Morbid Minutes is the new podcast for you. Hosted by Elise Willems and Jessica Vasami, each episode investigates a new topic ranging from macabre to morbid to downright creepy. Sourced straight from history and the headlines of today, 
Subscribe now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes come out every Tuesday and Mondays for our Rooster Teeth First members. The odometer turns over. It goes from 0.9 to 1.0. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> Kyborg, you gain a new arcane shot ability. <gasps> Mud, you have elemental wild shape. Use two uses of wild shape to turn into an air, earth, fire, or water elemental. I'm the avatar. Blade it's showing an eight. It's an eight. Mud, you also get an extra level five spell slot. Yeah, two. Bart, your bardic inspiration becomes a D10. Oh, nice. You get another fifth level spell slot. Excellent. Uh, you also have expertise, so you can choose two skills and your proficiency doubles in them. And you also have magical secrets. You can choose two spells from any class and you can cast them. They must be of spell slot level five or below. So when you say... I could cast two spells from any... What does that mean? Uh, it means you can choose spells that aren't necessarily bard spells. You can look at all of the spells from all of the classes. Oh, my God. I'm sorry, Barbara. I just gave you a lot of reading. Yeah, choices. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Uh, and then finally, Gum Gum, you have unstable backlash, which means immediately after you take damage or you fail a saving throw while you're raging, you can use your reaction to roll a wild magic and immediately produce the effect rolled, and that effect replaces your current wild magic effect. So it's just yeah. even more wild magic, even more chaos. I like that because it's whenever I get hit, which means I'll be able to use it a lot more. Yes. What's beguiling? What does that mean? Like charming, deceptive? Mm, okay. I know I ask this every time, but I'm going through leveling up to nine first, and then I'm going to go back and do it again for ten. But when you go to your abilities, how do you again determine what to change and how to change it? For what? Like your ability scores. Oh, are when you ability level scores up? changing? Uh, your ability scores are not changing uh, at this time. So it's only it's your skills. Only your HP and skills. Yeah. Like your, your skills particular. Uh, I also want to correct myself. I was thinking of polymorph where I can turn anybody into anything. I can't look at every beast there is and turn into it. But uh -huh. I am now at level six. I can do up to CR level three. So uh, I have uh, impr improved to that. What's the highest CR level? I think like I saw some six Whoa. stuff. Like I think when I turned you into the mammoth, that's like a CR six. Should do that because polymorph doesn't have those restrictions. Got it. Got it. But uh, there's also something else for druids: a uh, primal strike at level six. I want to chime in here, John, and say there's a CR thirty. Yeah, oh, <laughs> it goes really high. Just on beasts or just all creatures? All creatures. Yeah. I'm saying, okay, so beasts is what I was referencing. Yeah. Which I believe is what polymorph 12, is limited. Twelve is the highest. Oh, is there? The place I've been looking up animals doesn't have that thing then. Yeah. Or maybe I 12, missed that. Twelve guy. is the highest, but it's it's a specific module that it has. Okay. Yeah. There's a lot of spells. There are. <laughs> the problem is, is it says I could choose an ad two additional spells now, I guess from any class, but. It's just the title of them. No, you should want to click on them and see. All right. Well, I'll see you guys in about four hours. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a couple of arcane archer. Wait, no arcane. What are these things called? Arcane shots uh, available to me. And, and I'll try to summarize them as quick as possible. One of them banishes people to like the Feywild, which I don't really know what that means, but I guess it just teleports them away. Like a realm. Oh, that's cool. I don't like that though. I want to see the bodies. I want to see. I want to make sure they're dead. Okay. I want the carnage. I want the carnage. Uh, beguiling arrow. I can shoot someone. They take some damage, and then I can make them love one of you. <laughs> like like what? Cupid. Cupid. Yeah. Oh. Beguiling arrow. Like it doesn't. <laughs> none, of, none of the other ones matter. It doesn't even Wait, no. matter. What are the other ones? <laughs> uh, there's enfeebling arrow, which is lame as hell. Oh no no no! It's necrotic. Necromantic magic, which that's pretty cool, I guess. Uh, and it also like if they fail a thing then their weapons take make only half damage. Mm. So it's got like some lasting stuff as long as they fail. Piercing arrow seems like it's like a fake thing. Like you shoot an arrow and then a bunch of people like dodge out of the way and uh, it's not very great. And, and then a, a shadow arrow. 
and then that blinds them basically for five feet. I love one. Like they get shot and then they can't see for five feet. Oh wow. Be- beguiling arrow is really funny though. I mean you could you could have blinded anybody at any point. Just an arrow to the face. To the face, yeah. <laughs> this one says your enchantment magic causes this arrow to temporarily beguile its target. The creature hit by the arrow takes an extra two D six psychic damage and choose one of your allies within 30 feet of the target. The target must succeed on a wisdom saving throw, or it's charmed by the chosen ally until the start of your next turn. So it's like a very temporary. It's and looking at it now, it's not very strong. It just for the lulls, it's funny. Well, no, I mean it could keep someone from attacking. Some I don't know. I do want to call something out here real fast. Ben and I are side texting over here. I think maybe you're underestimating piercing arrow. Piercing arrow seems like one of the most powerful ones on this list to me. Mm-hmm. It goes through literally anything. You don't even make your attack roll, and if you can get in such a way where you line up multiple enemies. It damages all of them. The arrow passes harmlessly through objects, ignoring cover. Oh, oh, I guess I read that part and I was like, it looks like it's... Yeah, then everyone has to make a dexterity saving throw and then they take damage plus additional piercing damage. And even if they save, they take half damage. But I just need to line them up though. You got to line them up. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Piercing arrow is cool and shadow arrow is cool. I'm kind of tied between those two. It's funny, Ben. I was also reading. I was like, what, what's he talking about? This one seems awesome to me. All right, fine. We'll do piercing arrow. No, no, no. I'm not telling you to no, do no, it. No, no, if you, if you want to be cute, but that's uh, really funny, yeah, too. It's a rail shot. I, I was going to say, it's a rail shot. It's it's like a Muzenkov and Smite. Whenever you line up somebody, you just give it like, oh, yeah. and then it just goes through them all. I'm impressed that you remember Smite stuff. Uh, at what point do we, we could uh, upgrade our armor class by like buying better armor and stuff, right? Buying better armor or increasing your dexterity. So ability scores increase every four levels. So your next ability score increase won't be until level 12. 12, okay. I think you told us that last time and I. Let me check. Bart, your dexterity is currently 18. So in order to improve your dexterity, you would need two additional points. And it, it goes up every two, every even number. So in order to get plus five dexterity, you would have to go to 20. And that would give you an additional one on your armor So what class. you're saying is... Our armor class is like the World Cup and our dexterity and stuff like that is like uh, the Olympics. Yeah. Okay. Four and two. Could I swap out an old arcane shot for a new one? <laughs> uh, can you do that? I don't know. Let me I see. haven't used Seeking Arrow in ages, and it's not that great. But take it off. Uh, well, we're, we're, we're trying oh, to see. Exactly. <laughs> I just remove it. Because <laughs> I have a new skill that if I miss something, I can like still hit something. I can just kind of guide the arrow. To hit a different target behind them, and it still takes damage. It's like within 60 feet, so I can basically curve the bullet. So that kind of makes Seeking Arrow a little bit more useless, I guess. It doesn't say anything about resetting them, so I'm going to say no. You picked them, you got them. Grumpy guest today. It's a Friday, and he's been all grumpy with us. All right. I read it! I'm going through! <laughs> Guys, I quit. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, man. Oh my god. How am I supposed to figure these? Wouldn't it be crazy if you guys let us go up one more class and then I got an extra attack? Wouldn't that be nuts? <laughs> Wouldn't that be crazy? We don't have time for you to have another attack. Just... While you guys... Um, I'm all I'm all set. While you guys finish that up, uh, maybe that's a good time to segue into some of the uh, the questions yeah, that, that we have, some of the Q&A yeah. we can hit up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a whole bunch this time, I think, with uh, the addition of our new subreddit. Speaking of which, the first one comes from the subreddit. Yay. Which is uh, Reddit dot com slash r slash stinky dragon podcast yes yes i'm ron burgundy (laughs) the first one is from a user on on reddit snoo uh macarons 2019 they ask what sound does a bat make uh (laughs) in in seriousness though do you find yourself having to design encounters around the dm disrupting fun that is wild shape and conjure animals which is mud constantly trying to break the game uh micah what do you think about that uh, bats chirp. 
<laughs> a. Uh, but I generally don't design encounters around muds like Zoo, but I do keep in mind that now he can like fly and swim and, and like maybe go underground and and design terrain around around that kind of thing. Because I don't want to I don't want to cramp any battle necessarily, and we reserve the right as people to change the encounter if we need to. <laughs> On the fly. I'm mischievous. <laughs> mischievous mud. Oh, there's a lot of questions about John breaking the party. Hold on. <laughs> oh, wait. This this person has a very familiar name. On Twitter, <laughs> at Act of Balancing asks, in your opinion as head writer of Stinky Dragon Pod, what punishment does John deserve for breaking the game so often and making your job harder? <laughs> Why well, I don't break the game that often. Question for John. Who is your favorite sibling? <laughs> <laughs> you have two, don't you? <laughs> I do. I Act do. of Balancing on Twitter. Their real name is Heather Reisinger. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I love how all the Reisingers have rallied around this show. Uh, then she also writes, keep in mind that I think you're so smart and pretty. Oh. Answer um, the question, John. <laughs> yeah, John. <laughs> Uh, 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 what was that? What, just the question of favorite sibling? Yeah, yeah, probably the quiet one that lives in a different state, <laughs> not the one sitting directly behind you. I, I want to say, yeah, the geography of the room is that John has his back turned against his brother Micah right now. He's just like, mm. No, I mean there there are definitely uh, elements of both of my siblings that I get along with while. My sister is a lot more like me where she's very reserved, very introverted, loves her quiet time um, and that kind of thing. My brother is the one that I connect with for all things nerdy. I mean, before the recording, he was letting me know that he picked up House of X, Powers of Ten, which is a comic that I told him to pick up. And then he also is picking up Sandman. And I told him I could actually lend him all eight volumes of Sandman. You mean he was picking up Hawkspox? Hawkspox. Come on, John. We're all friends here. I went to a game night at Micah's house and he was the life of the party and it was really fun watching Mike (laughs) and his element. Like he just like bust out these one-liners and everyone would go, "Ah!" (laughs) It's like these paid actors, what's going on? (laughs) Well, he's really funny and it shows in the writing of uh, Tell the Stinky Dragon. It was impressive. I was like, man, he's like holding court over these people. Well, I guess we know who Blaine's favorite writing <laughs> That's fine with me. Ben just sent me something that I think is like a good reminder about what your levels mean. You all just currently leveled up to level 10 about what your levels mean in terms of power. Uh, levels one through four, you're basically local heroes. Levels five to 10, you can consider yourselves heroes of the realm. The adventurers have mastered the basics of their class. They found their place in the world and have begun to involve themselves in the dangers that surround them. Uh, And you're pretty much at the end of that. Uh, Once you hit like levels 11 to 16, it's more masters of the realm. So you all are really starting to carve out your place in this world. Yeah, at least from like a druidic level, I can tell from the advancement that's been happening with certain stuff that there were way more limitations on what the druid could do during one to five as far as like you know, what spells cast, what animals I could even turn into. Couldn't even swim as a wild shape, which seems really silly. Mm. But then like five to 10 was like, okay, we're letting those limitations off and you can actually like push the gas more. And then now that I'm looking at level five spells at level 10, it's like, oh, you're starting to tap into being able, like even just the fact that now I can turn into an elemental. Like Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a level of ability that should not be somebody at like level two or three. So yeah, that makes sense. Sounds like in like one punch man terms, we're like beat. B-class heroes right now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, we're approaching A, which are, like, celebrities, and then S, which are, like, gods. Yeah. Mm. Was One Punch Man an S? Was that what he was? S-tier is, like, the highest. That's No, like, no, he went and got his his evaluation. He, yeah, he was, like, he started as a C. Oh, yeah. Because he was so dumb. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing anime. It's a very good anime. Season three is coming out in November. I still haven't watched their season two. It's, it's so cool. Any okay. other questions? 
Tons. <laughs> Andy about One Punch Man. <laughs> On Instagram, Joe P91 asks, are the character songs available somewhere to download? Ooh, good question. Do we have an announcement? Can we say something, please? Anything? I want to find him. I'll give that to Ben. We're working on it. We are working on it. I'm hoping by the time that this comes out that we might have one or two of the ARC albums up. Sick. I'll throw that out there, but they're coming. I know a lot of people asked for them and I'm really excited to work with Micah to pull those together and like loop them into like their own little albums that we can throw up on Spotify or streaming services or anywhere else people want them. We've been having conversations a lot about like Stinky Dragon and like where we can take it and stuff like that and and how other departments can support us. I feel like it's, it's okay that we're transparent with the audience about this, but like we really want to take it to the next level. So spreading the word about continuing to tell your friends about the show and stuff like that, anything you can do to support, we're going to continue to put out like like the albums and like hopefully cool merch and like John mentioned animatics and puppet stuff. And I don't know, I, I think like Seeky Dragon is so much fun to work on. So mm-hmm. yeah, I can, I'll, I'll say a thank you to the community. We are, as far as like how our community has been acting around the show, our numbers act in a way that is not normal for many podcasts where we don't really dip which is crazy considering we're what episode will this have been 60 62 we're a 62 episode narrative podcast that should have a fall off because it's hard to get into narrative podcasts that you need to have listened to previous episodes so our community is insane that they just keep listening like even this morning i was reading a subreddit post about someone who went on a like a 14 hour drive and just listen to only Sneaky Dragon. Wow. And, and they loved it. They, yeah. they had, they had been, they had fallen off. Cause I think they said they had like, they hadn't had a job for a bit. So they weren't driving as much. So they hadn't listened to much. And now that they've binged, it was either them or a comment in there of someone doing something similar where now they're at the point where they're sad. They have to wait the week, the week, week. week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so our audience is, crazy in that way even the subreddit growing the way it has is so fun to watch and so the the thing that we need help with in order to continue to like make the podcast you know the success we want it to be is continue to grow to like that next level of how many people are listening so that's why we want to do we want to produce a lot more supplemental stuff to get people more excited about it Mm -hmm. to put out things like the music because all that is around the this fact that the show is one that because of how it's made, and I'm praising it because I have very little to do with all of this happening, is that uh, Stinky Dragon, once people listen to it, they stay listening to it. But we just have to convince people to check out this different D&D podcast. And that's kind of what these Between the Tales recaps are good for. So try to, try to get people to jump in. So if you know someone who you think they might like this podcast, they want to just jump in, they can listen to the recap at the top of this episode. And then, you know, they can just start in with the new arc. And then once they see how much they love it, they can go back and listen to the old episodes too. Got a, another question. I'm kind of trying to go around from all the different sources. We can get questions from going back to the subreddit here. Uh, Latin Prince 27 asks, why doesn't Gum Gum want to know who his mom is? He's an orphan, right? I get that his dad left him a wand and he wants to be a wizard, but she birthed him. Who is mom mom? Uh, he, his mom passed away in childbirth. So he, I think you had covered that before, hadn't you? I, I, I'm not sure if. I mentioned it, or if maybe it was in passing, but I thought it was just because Gum Gum was a big fan of the patriarchy. <laughs> uh, Gum Gum hates women, <laughs> but Gum 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 Mum Mum. <laughs> and so, since you know his mom passed away, the only family, as yeah. far as he knows, is that his dad is somewhere. It's a literal dead end trying to go look for your mom. Yeah, yeah. and it so it makes him sad. Sad. Yeah, <laughs> um, and it since, makes him bum bum. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and he kn- he knew his he's a half orc and he knew his mom was an orc. And so he's like, doesn't know what the other half is. And 
as being a kid without parents, he kind of always has like made the best in his mind of what his dad might be. Mm. What's the Dungeons and Dragons version of just sending uh, Gum Gums uh, a, a swab of his spit in twenty three and me? We have a question from at Bry Calhoun. What is everyone's favorite region that they visited? Mm. That's a fun question. Go Barb. Man, I don't. They've all been like really fun in different ways. I think I really liked. I mean, Pius Pass was such like a fun, like, cause I was like our first arc. And so it was like getting into the world and stuff like that. And everything that happened with Chick's store and the jailhouse and all that stuff there was really fun. But yeah, I also like the, the arc with the, uh, gosh, the Valrossians. Yes. Thank you. How did you know what I was thinking? I think I brought it up before. I could see you were struggling to think of a hard name of a place like Valross is one of the harder ones. I also really enjoyed the Tabulians. Um, and that whole uh, storyline. I, I, yeah. I really enjoyed um, Kyborg's arc too, with like learning about his family. I got really emotional listening back to the episode with all the like sound design and the voice acting and stuff like that. It was really touching. Yeah, dude. Yeah, give yeah. a, if you want to send some nice feelings, go to uh, Cooley Smiley on Twitter and let her know she did such a good she job really at good. voicing Incredible. Kyborg's mom and sister. Mm-hmm. Yes. And mm-hmm. Blizzbear for voicing a Quadrant. Uh, yeah, I think New Valros was cool. I had such a difficult time shooting Valrosians and like I felt like weird attacking Valrosians, you know? So like I wasn't fully able to enjoy that element because I was like, I don't know that they're bad guys. Like anytime we fight people and I don't think that they're bad guys, then I, I can't put my whole heart into it. But I feel like was it Herbloom was with all the time stuff. I liked Herbloom a lot because like, we're like, we're going to the past and seeing t Rex as t-rex t-rex and then we made james's character and then like that was all fun that was also like we had a stealth mission there where we met the oryx right yes and like that was like all that stuff is like really fun and like very i have like very vivid memories of that what about gum gum i think like barbara i really liked uh pies pass Mm -hmm. uh just because of the i think that was whenever we really found all of our character dynamics and really like had fun exploring the world and then i think the tabulians were really fun too just because i felt like gum gums got, got i don't know way too attached way too attached <laughs> <laughs> it was a fun little spin on things and so it was fun i don't know it's fun like feeling invested in those bad guys i yeah. guess we're, i don't know if they were supposed i think they were supposed to be just straight bad guys were they supposed to be more just straight uh, bad? that's up to you that's up to your interpretation i don't huh? know everybody has a story yeah i don't know it was fun it was fun feeling attached to the entire people so you attached yourself Literally to them. Yeah. Going to places that we've been to before is fun because, like, I already feel like I don't have to spend as much effort inventing what that place space looks like. So, like, when we went back to Pius Pass, and then I was like, oh, you know, the prison's got the hole in the ceiling, even though you guys fixed it. And then it's got, like, the thing that goes into the, the, the hump in or whatever. And, like, hump, back, so hump, hump saloon, uh, hump back, what was, what it was it? Hump, hump house stables. Hump house stables. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hump back saloon. <laughs> little, little pecker saloon, hump, back, hump house that's, stables. That's where I was mixing those two. And anytime yeah. we go back to the castle, and stuff like that it's like ah familiar i know this did you say who your place was john oh i wish i had something much more unique but i i think it's because i got my song in pious pass at the barber shop and yeah it was i that His was name is that was uh the pogo stick argument that yeah. was the, the jumping jab a movable yeah. rod <laughs> uh oh god the immovable rod yeah. that was right after right but gotta be a fan of uh the one time i got to turn into a dinosaur underwater so i liked uh the pirate ship that's uh those are all good ones uh yeah i i love how distinct every 
area is and how they all have their own their own their own flavor um they're all great i think i like the districts of Herbloom, and i liked how you experienced them Mm. in different times Uh, i think that was a a really fun mechanic and then going back and seeing them again uh, and having the time waves come through i thought that was uh that was really fun i have a question for you gus yeah as dm what is your favorite part of the show is it like improvising npcs or like combat combat or like just telling the story i think it's seeing what you guys do since you all respond in such an off the wall way like you know michael writes the document and i'll read it and i'll have in my head i'll have an idea of how things are going to go and then we'll get there it's like oh this isn't going at all how i thought it was going to (laughs) go so it's you know it's definitely giving up, letting my hands off the wheel and just being like, all right, yeah, let's see where it goes. You know, yeah. let's trying to be better about, you know, uh, embracing what's fun or what's cool and just trying to like go with it. If I may, I think that the parts that I think you have the most fun in are the the really base level weird characters that aren't going to get their own voice actors and might have voice modulation like little Jimmy. Like, I think like when you have those little dumb little characters that there's no real blueprint for and you're just like, I'm little Jimmy. Like, that's fun to listen to. And I think I also can tell you are enjoying that moment. Oh, uh, little Jimmy. What's he up to? He's probably a local hero by now. Yeah. I forgot about little Jimmy. Little Jimmy makes me laugh. Or Scoville the Stumper. <laughs> Scoville the Stumper might be my favorite that was a good one. uh, that one-off was a character. Good. Wait, which one was that? That was the the, the pterodactyl. He was trivia. Yeah, trivia. You asked you riddles. Yeah, when we were like on the river. <laughs> you were in the waterfall. And we failed it miserably. Oh, yeah. I think my favorite thing about those one-off characters is like it gives me, me and Michael end up talking about like one shots we could possibly do down the line. Like maybe we end up in a town where suddenly little Jimmy is now the mayor and <laughs> is like working with Brink Tussler in some campaign or whatever that we send you guys on in the future. Funny. Scoville the Tussler. Tussler. What's funny about Scoville, I think I told you this, guys, is that like I tried introducing Scoville as an NPC into the show three times and it never happened because you guys just like walk past them or something. <laughs> I was like, I'm putting it to Rasta, like a, uh, a pterodactyl right in front of them. Yeah, I think uh, it, it might be funny to, you know, show the party some of those early modules. Like we were talking the other day, go, listening to episode one together. And, we, you know, uh, after the wheel falls off the cart, you mm-hmm. know, I think Kyborg made a, a perception check and he failed it. And then he said, what was that perception check for? And I showed him the module about how <laughs> what he would have found if he had succeeded on that check. And yeah. There's like all these other possibilities that don't get explored or things that don't happen. I also <laughs> found out, and I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so feel free to cut it if, if I can't. But the tool that I took from Bezler <laughs> uh, was giving me, it was like cursed. Yeah. So it's like cursing It was my exhausting roles. you. Yeah. What? Yeah. I don't know if I realized that. I didn't, I didn't either until Gus told me. That's why I kept day. trying to take it. So I really <laughs> tried to have Bezler take it back because I didn't want you to have it and then have to keep worrying about this. And I then finally it's like. A while. Uh, yeah. yeah. A real long time. Slowly like, giving you cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. So was it planned to be cursed or is it cursed because she stole it? No, it was planned to be. It was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's, uh, Lex Luthor wearing a kryptonite ring yeah. for forever. Slowly sapping his Why bone. do I feel so bad? Uh, I feel like, Gus, you told me not too long ago that there's still some rooms in the castle, that, like Infinite HQ, that we still haven't gone into. From like the episode one or two, like the puzzle rooms or something. Oh, yeah. You did. If I remember it, you did not explore all of those. Yeah. But it just hasn't come back up. I mean, if you think right. about it, like, yeah, I mean, there's still... As far as I know, yeah, there's still areas that you really have not fully explored, but there's really been no reason to. There's like holy armor in one of them, and it's for all four of us, and we just haven't stumbled upon. You just got to find a paladin, someone worthy of holy armor. Yeah. None of us are. Say, I get it. It's, it's None of us are. No. I am. <laughs> I'm a 
Paralyzed. Damn, my stealth is up to plus 12 now. Oh, shoot. <laughs> this is from the subreddit. Defense Plocks asks, what happened in Bart's life to give him so much confidence? I mean, look at me. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's just like there's this stereotype of bards in D&D that they're like cocky and confident and like mm-hmm. very showman-y. Um, so I'm just kind of like laying into that. I also love the idea of a tiny little halfling that's like super big and dense being very charming and like attractive uh, and having like a lot of confidence in himself in that way. It's just a little little Bob Hoskins running around with charisma just pouring out. I think I think he maybe just like the pirate ship he grew up on. Uh, they were very complimentary mm. and very supportive. And I think, you know, if you're raised well, you'll end up well. Isn't that the trope of bards too is that they're like sexy like you know they, they charm everything they yeah, can little yeah. charmers and it just works that it's bards that we also i mean with the makeup of our team i think we needed at least one person who could actually talk to people thank you <laughs> so, yeah. now you just gotta find someone with intelligence i know well every time we level up i'm like could i add to my intelligence please we're gonna start punishing him for that micah some mental challenges some intelligence checks i, I give them like puzzles all the time yeah. <laughs> has my am i like I, I know we're past the upgrade part but like am i supposed to change like barb got like higher stealth and all that does that do that automatically or automatically. Your proficiency went up so yeah. then that means you're anything that you're proficient in goes up it's just yeah. acrobatics and athletics i'm just continuing to get more juiced and dumber you do one thing and one thing well yeah, yeah. <laughs> my my insight my performance and my stealth are all super super high and this is the things that you all play into. I'll tell you what, guys. Next door, it'll they can only open it with an intelligence check. No, psionics <laughs> sci- only. Can't enter the infinite HQ unless you have an intelligence check. I think I'm probably the least strong of the team, though, physically. Well, it's not. It's not your forte. It's not your strength. Yeah, I use my mental strength. Yeah, social strength. We have a question here. Who's this? Is on Twitter? Yeah, it's on Twitter. At Milky Star Seven asks. My question is, how hard is it for you guys to continue your character personas every week? I try in my campaign with my friends and every other week and it can be exhausting sometimes. The whole Stinky Dragon crew here is just phenomenal. I feel like all of our characters are secretly pieces of us. Like, I feel like we're playing into ourselves. Like, Are you I sure mean, about secretly? Yeah. Not secretly. I mean, like, Blaine is Kyborg. There's no subtlety behind Kyborg. No in subtlety. I think, like, Chris playing into the kind of, not dumb character, but I feel Affable. like, I feel like uh, Chris is very innocent. In a way, it just kind of plays into that. Yeah, I like playing Gum Gum in that. We're just making the show in general because it's telling this really rich, deep story. But all I have to do is worry about being in character. Yeah. <laughs> like just reacting as Gum Gum, I think he might do. My favorite story about Chris recently, and this, this stuff pops up now and then. But John, you were telling us at RTX, Chris happened to run into your partner and just went to dinner with them. And it's just like, Chris is like so gum gum, like, friend? <laughs> and just like spent the day with them. The better way of telling that story was that we is it was me, my, my girlfriend, a friend of hers, and we all were coming back from the Stinky Dragon panel. We were getting out of our costumes. And then you and me, Blaine, were having to rush over to do the variety show. And so we were going to break off. Mm-hmm. Chris wasn't in the variety show. And so I said goodbye to my girlfriend and her friend. We said goodbye to Chris. Went off, and then I get a text like 15 <laughs> minutes later that has just a picture of Chris sitting across the table. <laughs> and she's like, so we're at dinner with Chris. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, ben commented that it's only really problematic when Chris starts breaking out the friendship bracelet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm about to tell him to stop doing that. But yeah, for, for me, it's pretty easy. I mean, 
I like kind of playing a, a charming little lad. It's not very like myself, but I feel like it's a fun character to play and I don't really have to like do too much with my voice. I feel like probably the most challenging is for Mud because you have to keep up like a Scottish accent the whole time. I actually like the talking parts. Mm, I, I actually wish we did a little bit more like dialogue interaction with characters and stuff. Uh, I love combat in D&D. I really do. Uh, I think it's super fun. And when I've listened to D&D shows, I've liked that stuff uh, a ton. But I, yeah, the Scottish accent is broken and stupid and silly, <laughs> but I, I like it. It's, uh, it, it gets me, lets me play into my love of Scottish men, um, which I do. I adore a lot of Scottish men. Mm-hmm. Sean Connery. Um, nope. Uh, Sean Connery. And so I, I like, uh, I, I like doing a voice. It's fun. To, it, it, I, I like the voice part for everybody. Except, I mean, I get, obviously, Kyborg doesn't really do a voice anymore. Although he listen, did. That's he did saying, first, we yeah. recently listened to old episodes, and he was like doing like a Keanu kind of thing. I dropped it. Why? And he dropped it. It pops up every now and then, but like. This isn't a criticism on you. No, I'm just Gift the combatic dragon. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'll whip it out. Yeah, there you it's go. It's an observation that I like because it creates this line of when I'm talking to Chris or when I'm talking to Gum Gum or when yeah. Gum Gum is saying something that is in character that we need to respond to in character. So it gives that, like, uh, I love that we get to play that game of going fourth wall, fourth wall, fourth wall, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Having it, that distinction. Yeah, it's fun. K- K- Kyborg's voice is like, it'll slow down and it'll sound like Blaine at 1.25% speed. You yeah. know, like it's like one point the faster. Or 125%. <laughs> wait, 1.75. I'm math is I'm Kyborg. Yeah, I was gonna say. Would you like me to roll intelligence like, for you? It's kind of there. There's a bit of a voice. But to answer the question directly, I would say I don't know. I'd actually, I want to ask the question asker, what is it about getting into a character that is so taxing because for us, I think I can speak for everybody that it gets more fun and easier yeah. mm-hmm. the more that we get to develop and learn our characters. You, t- we, you just said it, Barbara, where like Pius Pass or someone said it. Pius Pass is where we, Chris, Chris yeah. you said it, that we learn some of our dynamics and our characters because the part of the character building is like just kind of figure it out along the way. And also just figure out like, what happens when Kyborg and Bart are sitting on the edge of a roof with, you know, talking about feet. That was <laughs> a great popsicles. moment. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what happens when Mud and Gum Gum try to break into a store? Like, what's that dynamic? Everything like that. And so that, yeah. that is the fun part to me is like, is developing our characters. That being said, I'm mortified to work on background of Mud because I'm not a good storyteller. So kind of in, in how you all have been talking, you all have touched on a couple of questions uh, in here. And I just want to acknowledge them because you've kind of answered questions without me asking them. At uh, Strongman Will asked, uh, do any of the cast find their characters are starting to bleed into their everyday lives? And I feel like <laughs> you all had kind of touched on that already. I was just going to say, too, I like Kyborg because of there's a lack of voice because I feel like I do a lot of character work in Rooster Teeth content. And I've never been fully comfortable using my own voice because I don't like my voice. But like, I, I feel like Kyborg has made me more comfortable being just plain voice, you know, just mm. plain. I think whatever uh, campaign we do next, I want all three of you to play female characters. I already, um, I already made that decision in my head that I want to play a female oh, character really? okay. next time. Yeah. Girls, 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 girls. Squad team girls. Team girl squad. Team girl squad. It works. It's already how I play video games. I, I like uh, women are much more cool than guys. I'm bored of men. Drag and- is also a lot of fun. <laughs> So like I feel like that'd be like kind of subcategory. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've I've tried I've played 
like gum, uh, low key queer. Like he's, I've never been explicit Mud? about it. Who, what'd I say? Gum. Sorry. Yeah. I was, I was, I was really confused. Can't my, remember your own name. Nope. Can't remember. I've played him an idiot too, apparently. I've, no, I've, I've played mud, low key queer. You described him as like asexually the day. Yeah. I was like, and I was like kind of thinking back. I was like, oh yeah, no, absolutely. I'm still trying to get Bart with that bed warmer. Just wait, I'm waiting for it. <laughs> there was one other question here that we had also kind of touched on. This was uh, from the subreddit. Uh, Live Mike 78 had actually asked, why does Mud have a pseudo-Scottish accent? Uh, and thanks for having him obsessed about coffee and not the lazy whiskey route. Although having said that, a lot of our whiskeys have their flavor influenced by peat, which is just a fancy form of dirt. I'm guessing the person who asked this question is Scottish. It sounds like it. So that's why they, it's pseudo. Pseudo, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I am a theater kid and a dork. And I love accents. I am the kind of person that secretly works on accents in the car by yourself. Nice. But I don't I don't want to just be that person who just always breaks into an annoying British accent around people because I those people are like nails I feel on like the chalkboard. That's a personal attack. Uh, <laughs> cut to me in various Rooster Teeth productions playing a little cockney kid no that's <laughs> funny that is funny that's different than just being like random right, people who do this are cringe except you Barbara <laughs> <laughs> no oh, I like to order a Big Mac please no yeah <laughs> what yeah no I know what you mean like and, just randomly and it's it's never I, I never like I assume that I do a good accent ever and it's more so having fun with it. And there's actually a podcaster, Connor Goldsmith, who does the, the X-Men podcast. I've talked about a bunch of cerebrocast and he does a thing that every time he reads questions from his community and if they call out where they're from, he just lays into the most stereotypical accent and he does it because he just, he loves it. He just loves doing it. Um, and now it's part of his character of the, of a podcaster. And so his community lets him know like, and I'm from Nebraska. So if you want to rip into something from, you know, a hick accent, do it. Yeah. No, I love, like I said, I, th I love Scottish people. I think the Scottish accent is beautiful, even though it's so hard to hear sometimes. Question for you guys, too. And I don't know if, if you went through the same thing I did when we were going to start do the, doing this podcast and we had to come up with characters and stuff. I was really worried that a voice I would pick for a character would become either annoying to hear or tough to keep up. Hard to maintain, like yes. hard on the voice. And so like I spent so much time trying to figure out what kind of voice I wanted to do because I wanted it to be different from my own voice. Mm -hmm. well, you do, just you a do bit. voices a lot with a lot of your characters like Neris and and uh, the little orb from uh, Orf. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, you'd like that. Yeah. So it, it's fun. But I also didn't want it to get like annoying. Like if I was doing Orf's voice the entire campaign, that would be like, hi. <laughs> it'd be like a lot to take in. We'd be over it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we had to. I feel like we had to coach you, Chris to project gum gum more because i think your original stuff you were very guttural low oh, and quiet it definitely has changed more from just like this to yeah a little more, more talkative yeah a little more like you had, you had a trumpy era too there where you sounded trump sometimes <laughs> I, I heard all reagan <laughs> but yeah i think it's just kind of changed over time i mean all i think a lot of the well definitely blaine's character's voice has changed <laughs> I, I think, think even mind it a little bit too. Yeah, yeah. it probably just changed over time as we've kind of again like kind of found them. Mm -hmm. This just happens though, like it's like uh, like listening to episode one of The Simpsons and like, mm -hmm. oh hello Bart, hello son, yeah. you know, hello son. Like I I think we all have fallen into a comfortable you know thing with our voices, and I like all of our voices. You know what I would like to? I don't know if it exists, but a year and a half, two years ago, it might have been twenty nineteen. Uh -huh. We did a, a three years ago. 
like our, our first time we like played D&D as like a test. We did a test, yeah. And we recorded it. And I know I played some version of Gum Gum. Yeah. And I think you played some version of Kyborg. Kyborg. Yeah, yeah, it was Kyborg. Yeah. They were test versions of all the characters. You, you might have not you, played Bart. No, I did not have Bart. You were yeah, like a rogue mind. or something. It's like I think whatever I was. Dorjan yeah. ended up becoming, I feel like. Yeah, we when we did that like um, brief series of like RTD&D on the website that you can still find. It's live stream. It was like a live stream we did every week that was like two hours long each time. But he's talking about the test even before that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so glad that I didn't burn Kyborg on that. Not that that was a wasted piece of content, but I'm glad that like we had that thing to refine our D&D skills. And, and it was training. Yeah. And then now like Kyborg is like my main dude. Well, like, and that was the thing is I remember whenever we started doing the live stream, I was like, well, I don't want to, I like this character gum gum. I want to save him yeah. for whenever we do. Oh, I think we did the same Lunko. thing. <laughs> so I played. Yeah, Lunko. I think RTD and D was a really good test for you all to kind of dive in and like figure out how to play D and D. And a lot of that was just born from like work from home and whatnot. Yeah. Like I'm so happy we have a team and have Micah here because a lot of the RTD and D stuff was me just like the night before sitting down going, I should probably figure out what we're gonna do tomorrow. Like <laughs> I like how they all said writing. it was a short thing. It went on for over a year. Yeah, Did it was it really? a while. Yeah, but I loved it though because I, I remember it was a good learning experience. One of our live streams fell on my birthday, and I had this whole thing where I was gonna be out of office we were still in lockdown so i was at you know, home but i still showed up to work so that i could just play D. that's how much fun i was having with that show yeah it's fun it's very fun and this one is, as well. does that still exist anywhere mm-hmm. yeah, it's on the website it's on it's on no, no, no 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 the uh the original no oh the test i don't even know if we do I we mean, record those files it? might be somewhere but i have no idea where they're probably because yeah. that was like pre right, yeah that was pre pandemic when we were putting things on the cloud a Gus lot more. brought I, us I, miniatures i remember i still yeah. have like an elf Ben might have it somewhere. Yeah. I'd like to hear it. Yeah, what I remember is that you guys played through the Lost Minds of Fandelver pre-campaign, just the first intro session and then a little bit after that. Yeah, it was like the very beginning. Yeah, yeah. It's also nice because when we did the RTD&D, we had visuals when we played. Like we had a map that we could see and, yeah. and all that stuff. And then when we moved to Stinky Dragon, we don't use any visuals. I like that better, I think. Same. What we're doing now, but yeah. yeah, it's it's more in tandem with like the way that like the McElroy brothers play the game where they get... You still keep us in line. I'm pointing at Gus in line as far as like distance and yeah. stuff, but it's loosier and goosier and allows us to well, be. Also, yeah, the thought was if we're doing an audio podcast, there's no way we could convey a map or any visuals. So, you know, we have to force everyone to talk about it. That way, the audience is also on the same And be page. very descriptive. And right. Stuff you're like not that. pointing or just moving a figure without saying exactly what it is you're doing. You mentioned earlier, Gus, that you liked Herbloom's district. Yeah. That was probably the map of that city. I made a whole entire map of the entire city, oh, like wow. grid by grid. And that was probably the one I spent the most time on. It's just like a giant circle surrounded by fields and like it's cut up into districts. And yeah. like that was probably the most fun I did with that. But I, I, I've cut down on like making entire cities. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I still provide maps for you oh, yeah. for certain things. I have a question for Micah. How do you how do you do it? How do you come up with <laughs> like everything you do is so detailed and there's so much information and so many little things that we don't even sometimes get to. Do you like do a lot of reading and a lot of consuming of like fantasy content that helps you with Pulling that? Pulling from past D&D campaigns. You're, just, you're describing his entire life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was born for this. Um, I, I, yeah, I generally try to keep the well filled with something, um, whether it's podcasts or shows or comics, but I just, I try not to like listen to other D and D podcasts. Honestly, mm, the only other D and D podcast I sometimes listen to is like the official one where like they interview other DMS and stuff like that. Mm. But, um, 
Yeah, I basically just pull stuff. I write down notes all the time on my phone. Like, hey, this would be a good idea for an arc or this would be a good idea for this character. The big baddie for the next arc is going to be Spider-Man. Yeah, and I try to keep those <laughs> collated. That way, like, I can, like, reference them. Because you guys ask me questions or ask um, Gus questions like, wasn't well, this the thing that happened in this arc? And, like, the episode... And, like, yeah. I'm like, I don't know. I got to look it up. <laughs> what was that? Or, uh, how much was that item in that store, yeah. in that place? Like, oh, wow. Okay. I was going to ask... Uh, uh, spec, spec, no, no. Paralyte's base was under the Sheer Lake. Yes. We had been there at one point. Yes. Was there any indicator that she was there the entire time? Or was that just something that you're like, uh, let's just slip them under the noses and we can kind of wreck on it? Because we visited the Sheer Lake. You visited the Dreamery experiment. Was it? Yes. That oh, would have oh, been, been, been a prequel. The weird Gungans mm, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, that yeah, would have yeah. been a prequel. Yeah. Before she had her base. True. Okay. I don't know. Because she was there with us. Right. Yes, that is correct. Yeah. So speaking of all the work that you do on fleshing out this world, Micah, I think there's a question here that leaps off of that pretty well. It's from uh, SWILLY97. This is from the subreddit. This person asks, how did the doors work in the Source (laughs) Diagem Challenge? Was there one door for each party member and yet doors read the same because they had the wrong person reading them? Also, is there a contingency for the inevitable party wipe? And I'm sure you guys oh remember the door God. challenge where oh, yeah. there There's, were four doors and they all mm-hmm. had different there things on them. There is a lengthy subreddit uh, discussion <laughs> that people went into that. And yeah. I was adamantly, I, I was avidly reading it, trying to see if they figured it out because Lord knows I did not. What did you all think? Yeah. I guess before Micah answers it. Yeah, yeah. I thought there was too many freaking riddles. <laughs> I, I ain't getting any information from some rhymes. I'm like, I'm like, I could read it a thousand times and be like, what? 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 Yeah, I don't, I don't. I feel like we didn't experiment enough we, to really figure it out. Baloney. I listened back to that episode. We did everything you no, could do no, in that. No, no, no. And the no. bar saloon thing? The bar saloon thing, I know in the end of it, it was we were supposed to all go ham. Free for all. We're all supposed to fight. That one, but I'm saying the, the way the doors worked, I think they changed depending upon who was at the door. I bet we could have gone in individually, but in my mind, it would be more entertaining if we were all experiencing this together. Okay, now correct us, Mike. Yeah, tell us what (laughs) what the correct answer is. I don't want to give away too much because it it may influence how you interact with future puzzles. Future doors. There will will be be more. (laughs) Cop out. But what I can tell you is that uh, writing on the doors was unique to who was reading them. Interesting. What? And each challenge behind the door could have been approached in different ways, and it wasn't, there wasn't necessarily one right answer. That being said, I designed each challenge so that they would be harder for certain certain people in the party and not for others. Interesting. I still like that door we went through that was like, I forget what the wording was, but essentially like enjoy yourself or have a good time or something like that. Yeah, it was a ball. free for all. The free for all, have a ball. And we were just like, do we just start a bar fight or like do what do we do here? <laughs> yeah, it was funny hearing what Blaine just said and what Micah said about Blaine, you know, feeling like you exhausted every possibility you really investigated. And then Micah's just saying like, yeah, the doors were different for different people yeah it, it was weird because normally the party sticks together but in this particular instance yeah everyone just like broke off and went to a different door and then nobody moved everyone yeah. stayed there the person who read the door first was the only person who ever read the door again even if someone else showed up the second person never said i want to look at the door i think i cut down that first segment of you guys like reading the doors from like 40 to 20 or something like that oh, like wow. it, was, it was a long it was another like <laughs> clock tower and herb loom sort of thing where it's like well should we go there should we go in the top should we like do this and it could turn invisible and then <laughs> yeah the possibilities are endless <laughs> it was really evil to put four doors in front of this party and have them try to figure it out yeah. so what's the part two of that question what are you going to do when we get a team wipe? 
I have ideas. Okay. <laughs> well, Bart's going to have Ray's dad soon, right? I'm, well, um, yeah, he can raise himself. <laughs> Give a bunch of diamonds to Bart. Yeah, I think, um, you know, we've, we've talked about it briefly, but Tales from the Stinky Dragon, it's just like tales that they're telling at the Stinky Dragon Tavern. Yeah. And so we have the possibility to essentially start from scratch with like a whole new cast of characters and a whole new story arc and everything like mm-hmm. that. We, yeah, do have sure. a, we have a timeline for the end of this. Oh, do we? Uh-huh. Hopefully Next not episode. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Mud has been running from. Yeah, it's not it's not impending as in like, you know, this month or next month. But we do, like we want to, just like any D&D podcast. Well, you don't have a plan because you don't know what's going to happen. I mean, I do because I'm the producer. <laughs> well, I mean, in terms of the story. Oh, no, no, no. But I'm That's saying like. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. We, we, uh, we, but we want to like make sure that we give, you know, adequate time for this show, this, this story. Ben's a producer. Yeah, he, he means Ben's a producer, producer of the show. <laughs> I'm the supervising producer Let's of Squad Team Force Productions. Give people credit where credit is Correct. due. Titles need, titles are important, but we want to also give a point eventually for people to be able to jump on to the same energy of this show with a new story that's easier to you know join in and participate in for sure. But well, I, I'm not. I don't want to freak anybody out right now. It's not ending like anytime very soon. Yeah, to elaborate further, John doesn't know the story beats, but Micah and I have figured out the pacing for the rest of the planned story, and we have a good guess as to when the campaign will wrap up and we move on to the next story in the tavern. I mean, there is so much to resolve still. Yeah. So. I was going to say, with like a lot of like D&D podcasts and shows, like the story has to end at some point. Of course. Yeah. But like that doesn't mean we're going to stop doing the podcast. Right. There are just more stories to tell. More stories. And yeah. more accents to ruin. <laughs> I just can't wait to play with everyone being a female character. It's like American Horror Story, right? Something different every season. So there's a question here on Twitter from AK Men's. It says, you've done a crossover with Good Morning from Hell. Have you considered doing more crossovers outside of Rooster Teeth? And Ben, I think you have uh, something you wanted to say about that. I mean, like, I kind of have an answer. Like, we've talked about, like, bringing on other people to do, like, voiceover for some of the NPCs and characters. Um, I've thrown around the, the idea in the past of, like, I would love to figure out some kind of, like, either social content or between campaigns or something, but I would love to just throw Gus in a room with, like, another DM from another show, but it's, like, two bartenders talking almost like sharing secrets or stories where it's just like oh, that's fun we, just wait, there. i'm really confused good morning from hell we had gum gum and bart bart, bart. oh they were on they were okay yeah it was how like the marvel television shows there was like reference to the movies but no yeah tv show references in the movies yeah it not- can be in the tv shows but none of the but none of the people in tv shows get to be in thor correct yeah i think it was like episode 92 Two or something in the 90s of Good Morning from Hell. I remember that now. My brain was going to like, when has Good Morning from Hell bled into Stinky Dragon? And mm-hmm. I was, I could not figure it out. But you're right. The other way it happened. There yeah. was a Good Morning from Hell drink. There was. Yeah. We've, had, we've had multiple show drinks now. Those have been fun. Yeah. We have uh, a question here that I think is a good setup for our next arc. Uh, I believe it's uh, from Twitter at Amy Joan. It says, Will we get to know more about Gum Gum and Mud's character in the next arc? Since we got a little insight with Captain Marge for Bart and Kyborg's childhood snippet. Well, based on the way that this arc <laughs> ended. The it, next arc is really going to be focused around Gum Gum. <laughs> <laughs> and his brother Clay. I also remember it took me a second to realize the joke of mud and clay after you that was your so brother Clay. Funny. That was the reaction of the episode. <laughs> that was so silly. You're welcome. That's fun. And their uncle Pottery. Uh, all right, I think that's probably a, a good time to uh, wrap this episode up. Uh, I want to thank everyone for listening. Don't forget, you know, this is a great episode. You can share with someone if they want to get caught up on the story so far. They can listen to the recap at the beginning of the episode, and they can dive right in once we come back with our new arc, and they can go back and listen to the old episodes too. 
but yeah thank you so much for listening and we'll be back next time with a, a new episode from new york bye, bye. oh clay <laughs> <laughs>